0: Yes, this morning we are in Acts. I'm reading from chapter 2, verses 36 through 42. Therefore let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Well, those of you who are just completely wed to the Christian calendar were alarmed. The scripture I just read from Acts chapter 2 is the story of Pentecost. And you know that the Christian calendar has Pentecost in late May. I'm not just working out of order. We will do it again in late May. (laughs) We will. I promise. But you know that this month, in our stewardship emphasis, we've been working backwards through the book of Acts. And this, our last Sunday on the founding of the church. It's kind of like the Star Wars storyline, right? It started and you just keep moving backwards through the story. We started with the spread of the gospel to the known world. We have worked back all the way now to where we're at the birth of the church and the first forming values of the believing community, the basics. In my first sermon ever as your pastor, I preached from this pulpit on the basics. I'm sure you remember. My text was 1 John. And I told the story about Tommy Lasorda, the longtime manager of the L.A. Dodger's who's said to have begun each spring training by holding up a baseball and saying, Gentlemen, this is a baseball. Players who'd made it to the major leagues were probably ahead of him on that. But it was his way of saying, It is spring training. We're going to start all over with the basics. We're going to hit and run and catch and throw, and every great franchise starts over reminds themselves again of the fundamentals at the beginning of every spring. Gentlemen, this is a baseball. Well, however much cultural anxiety about the future of the church in America, we are not going to resort to staff mud wrestling or whatever gimmick we think might draw a crowd. We're the church. We're going to start each spring with the same spring training kinds of mantra, a return to the fundamentals. And in that spirit, we're returning to Acts chapter 2. What is at the core of the church's founding? What are the fundamental values that should be baked into our identity as the people of God? Well, let's take a look at the story. Luke is the writer you know. Luke's the writer of Acts, and he's a participant in the story. So so sometimes he kind of toggles back and forth between saying they and we because he was there. But even though he wrote it, he's not the hero. Peter and Paul are the primary faces in Acts, but they're not the heroes either. The heroes in Acts are the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the church set loose. 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus, but it's not the power of Peter's preaching. It's not the determination of the crowd to get right with God. Luke makes it clear that the church is formed by the powerful wind of God's Spirit. And Peter is preaching that day to a gathered group of Jews and he's linking their story to the Jesus story let the entire house of Israel know he says and he declares that the crucified Jesus is the long awaited Messiah of Israel and when the crowd hears it when the crowd hears this message they're cut to the heart they turn to Peter and the apostles and they ask brothers what are we to do Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins might be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it happened that day and 3,000 people repented and were baptized and the church was born. So what did they do? What was the first strategic plan? What was the first mission of the church? Did they send missionaries right off the bat? No. Did they get on with evangelizing the known world? No. Because mission and evangelism of the church is an outgrowth of the formation that happens first in community. And here's what they did first. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Gentlemen, this is a baseball. It starts there. The fundamentals are honed first when the church does church right. Mission follows getting church right. And the first thing they did was they devoted themselves. The first hallmark of the early church, the believing community, was devotion. They didn't consider or drop in, get their name on the roll. They were devoted, fully in. There's a story told by uh, by the German-Jewish poet Heinrich Hein. He, he's standing in front of the great cathedral uh, of, of Amiens in France. The friend asked, why can't people build piles like this anymore? Hein said, my dear friend, in those days people had convictions. We moderns have opinions. And it takes more than opinions to build a Gothic cathedral. It's worth pondering. The first fundamental of the early church was their devotion. Perhaps their devotion will shine a light on ours. And here's what they were devoted to. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They wanted to know all they could about the Christ. As often as they could, every time the doors were open at the church, they were showing up to hear the stories and the interpretations of Jesus' teaching. They couldn't get enough because their lives were being shaped by the life-giving words of Jesus, and they gave themselves to it, devoted. And they devoted themselves to fellowship, the Scripture says. They didn't get all their teaching online. They got together. They gathered with each other. They told their stories in addition to the gospel story and found the places where they intersected. They kept each other's kids. Had each other over for dinner. They failed each other and forgave each other. Sometimes they just hung out. They made friends. They came through for one another. They formed community around their shared commitment to Christ. I like what Samuel Wells says about the importance of this part of their life together, fellowship. He says, Church means giving up the fantasy that we can find fulfillment and righteousness alone, it means doing things at inconvenient times with eccentric people in sometimes clumsy ways because life is a team game. And on judgment day, God will have nothing to say to us if we think we can come without the others. They voted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship and the breaking of bread. That's the way our Scripture version has it, the breaking of bread. But it's missing the word the. In in the Greek, it's the breaking of the bread, not just any bread. This isn't Wednesday night church. This isn't Saturday mornings at the Waffle House. This is the bread, the bread of holy communion that's at the center of worship. They devoted themselves to coming together like we have today to worship to come to the Lord's table, to break and share the bread of life and lift themselves up subject to the will of God. And finally, the scripture says, they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to the prayers. They devoted themselves to the nurture of their own inner life, to the prayers, to the communion with the risen Christ through the gift of prayer. And notice that all of these disciplines come before the church ever went out and healed a lame man, like last week at the beautiful gate, before the church started taking care of the needs in the community like the week before, the first priority of the church was to get together to learn, to fellowship, to worship, to pray. The fundamentals of church life together and the disciplines that empower and animate the ministry in the world. Gentlemen, this is a baseball. We start here, and the mission goes from there. Now, a church that's turned in on itself, you know, isn't a church at all. It's a club. And and the book of Acts clearly outlines this for us. The mission and ministry of the church does push beyond the walls of this place, and it should push into a broken and hurting world. And over these last weeks of October, we've been celebrating your commitment to the mission that is impacting our community and the world over. But do not underestimate the value of our financial commitment within these walls and within the lives of people in this congregation. What we do in this place matters at a most fundamental level. Our mission and ministry are an outgrowth of our disciplines and devotions that are taught and nurtured in this place. When you pledge and give, you're not only supporting the outreach and the ministry, the mission and the witness that we've been celebrating over the last few weeks, but without apology, you are also ensuring that we continue to focus on forming one another around the core values represented at the birth of the church. So let me celebrate how you are doing some of that already. You are also doing the teaching ministry of the church by what you give. You're giving by Sunday School Literature, Supports Vacation Bible School, Wednesday Night Speedle you, Age Group Bible Studies, And felt boards in the children's building. Little donkeys and wise men. You should go over if you haven't already. You're supporting all of that. Your giving supports a high level course taught by a Mercer professor on an introduction to the Old Testament. And... You buy Play-Doh so that children can sit in little wooden chairs and roll out a sword of truth and squish together a little helmet of salvation. And you bought it. And you're giving, pays Miss Heather, to teach children to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And it gets embedded in their heart forever. And when they are old and in the home, their mouth will still move and sing along to Jesus Loves Me. We're able to continue this central teaching ministry of the church because of your devotion. That's what we mean by witness protection. We protect the witness when we share in the joy of passing it down and teaching. Let me say a word about fellowship among you. Once a month, the women of our church get together socially just to chat about work and kids and life and stuff. Every few months, the lawyers of our church get together and complain about 12-hour work days and celebrate what they do that makes a difference. And they've even come together to help on specific cases around the church. Every Tuesday night, The young adults of this church meet together. I don't know how many of y'all know about this. It's a great group, a vibrant group. They meet together every Tuesday to sit and talk about living the Christian life in Atlanta with all the pressures. How do we support each other? How do we pray for each other? How do we help each other along the Christian walk? In just a few hours, we're going to be gathered out in the parking lot with our costumes on, handing out candy, just enjoying each other. Heather has picked out my costume again this year. It's a dangerous thing for me to turn loose. Turns out I will be Minion Dave from the movie Despicable Me. Be here at five to see it. It's what fellowship is. We hang out. You go to each other's Friday night football games. You meet for play dates. You have each other to cook, over to cook chicken on the grill. Your lives become knit together in ways that build authentic community. And then when life disappoints or crumbles, you have friends, not just acquaintances. You have friends who show up. And community formation happens because part of what you put in the offering plate supplements it. Supplements our $5 lunch after worship today, buys lemonade for us to share every now and then on the lawn after church, lets Josh buy pizza when he hangs out with teenagers after a football game. And worship. Every Sunday we gather in this beautiful and sacred space. To open our eyes and our hearts and our voices to the Holy One. And even this summer, when it was 95 degrees, because you pledged and gave to the budget, it was cool in here. And today we enjoy electric lights and sound. When needed, this sanctuary gets a coat of paint. All of that doesn't just happen. It happens because you are generous. You pay musicians to bring their amazing gifts to lead us high into the presence of God. And you pay me for the remarkable privilege to sit with my door closed and a candle lit to read and pray and think and try to put words together that help us speak our shared faith You buy bread and juice and we stand here and lift them high and they become transformed into the symbols of body and blood and redemption. And all of this happens because you support the budget. We don't sell anything in here. You give because God's love has transformed you and you want to participate in funding ways that the worship of God will continue to happen in this space long after we are here. When the little girl who rushed down to put her money in the offering plate is in a position of leadership, we're trying to provide witness protection now and prayers. Soon the women of our church will be at a retreat at Camp Pinnacle, working on the inner life, trying to grow their life of prayer. We walked the halls not too many Sundays ago after worship and went to prayer stations set up so that we could pray for the ministries of this church. On Wednesday night, our study of Philippians has included a prayer practice each week, just some light lifting to make sure that the muscles of the inner life Don't go flabby. Each Sunday, one of our ministers voices a corporate prayer, but we also resource and teach and retreat and give tools that every person can deepen his or her inner life to grow the life of prayer. And these retreats, these resources, yeah, you're ahead of me, I know. We support the fundamentals, the basics of what it means to be church, Because we give. Remember in the reading from Acts that the first marker for Christian community was their devotion. They were devoted to the fundamentals of the faith and devoted to the support that is needed to ensure the ministry and the growth of the church. And in a few minutes, we're going to go upstairs and vote on a budget for next year. The allocation of those funds that makes the work possible. But the allocation is only possible if we all reclaim our devotion like they had in the early church, our shared commitment to giving to the church so that that allocation can live. When we are formed by these core essential disciplines in this place, when we give to teach each other how to, how to worship and pray and, and form community and all of those things. That is when we become equipped to be the salt and light in this world that the hurting world so desperately needs. So pray with me, if you will, about our devotion this day. Let us pray. Oh God, we give thanks that we are inheritors of the faith, that men and women who went before us were faithful and gave and served, that we might hear the news of Christ and be set free. And we pray that you would form us into more devoted disciples so that others might be set free by your love in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.